always gathered this evening at the uh, residence of uh, Lyndon and Jenny Jones uh, in order to constitute the Reformed Presbytery in North America. And uh, we would like to begin uh, with prayer this evening and ask God's blessing upon our deliberations as well as to seek the Lord's forgiveness since this has been a day of prayer and fasting that we would humbly come before the Lord together as his people. And so let us uh, let us go ahead then and uh, ask the Lord's blessing and call out to the Lord our God together. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank Thee uh, this evening for this time of gathering as Thy people to, to participate in this uh, event, this momentous event, this historical event of constituting uh, the Reformed Presbyterian North America. Lord, we confess that uh, we ourselves are not worthy of the least blessing. We confess, our Father, that uh, this is not of our doing, that is not the arm of flesh, it is not our gifts nor our abilities that have brought us to this place, but it is of thy grace and thy mercy alone. And our Father, we would uh, acknowledge this evening that we have sinned against thee. We have, Lord, individually, familiarly, collectively broken our promises and, our, and broken and sinned against our covenant with thee. We would pray, our Father, that thou would forgive us for the many ways in which we have erred against thee in doctrine, in worship, in government, in discipline. That thou would forgive us of our pride. Forgive us, O Lord our God, of all of these uh, sins which we have committed against thee. Our waywardness, our apathy and indifference, profaning the ordinances of God, our hypocrisy. O Lord, we pray that thou would have mercy upon us, that thou would forgive us. We thank thee that there is forgiveness with thee through Christ our Savior, and that he, O Lord our God, is more willing to forgive than we are to ask. We praise thee that his grace is all sufficient, and that, Father, uh, we have been brought unto thee now to seek thy face. We would ask our Lord and our God that uh, thou would receive our thanksgiving and our praise. For we, Lord, rest upon the promise that if we confess our sins, that uh, thou art faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we do proceed, Father, upon uh, that basis this evening, upon the, uh, the work of the Lord Jesus Christ alone. We do thank you, Father, for our our faithful forefathers who have preceded us, who have uh, gone before us to blaze the trail. We thank thee, our God, that we have their testimony uh, in documents to which we can also appeal and from which we can learn and be guided. We pray, Lord God, that thou would bless uh, this presbytery that is formed this evening that, Lord God, uh, uh, it would be a testimony to thy power, to thy truth, to thy mercy and grace, uh, not only during our generation, uh, but, O oh Lord our God, for generations to come, that the children that are here this evening to witness this event, 
will live to be able to pass on to their children their memories and what they have seen as thou dost bless this presbytery. O Lord our God, we do come to thee through Jesus Christ alone, forsaking all of our own works of righteousness, trusting only in him. And we ask that thou would bless men as we proceed to the signing of this particular document, that thou would grant us thy grace in every way. We thank thee, Father, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Before the signing of the deed of constitution, I would like to read for you uh, the deed of constitution. And then afterwards, uh, I'll invite uh, Elder Greg Barrow and Elder Lyndon Jones to join me as we do sign uh, this document. There are two parts to this document. There's the body of the document, and then there is uh, an addendum, something added from a previous presbytery, which uh, further explains something in the document. And so I'm going to read both parts because together they form the Constitution. And so it may take a few minutes to read through this, but uh, encourage your your patience uh, together as we uh, do listen carefully. Uh, um, you can obtain a copy of this, obviously, just, uh, but uh, being able this to is the best we can do at this still. point, I think, would be very, very important. You want to just hang on? Okay. Just make sure that we have uh, uh, Derek uh, Edwards and uh, David Hart on the phone. They're listening to our proceedings this evening. Are they having trouble hearing me? Yeah, they're having trouble. Greg, you could probably step back a little further. We could hear you fine. Okay. And maybe they could hear you a little bit better. All right. Let's go ahead then and proceed with the reading of the Constitution. After mature deliberation, do unite together to form a presbytery which shall be from henceforth constituted as the Reformed Presbytery in North America. We do fully and unanimously subscribe without any point of disagreement the following six terms of ecclesiastical communion which formally summarize the constitution upon which this Reformed Presbytery in North America is now established. Six terms of ecclesiastical communion. One, an acknowledgement of the Old and New Testament to be the Word of God and the alone infallible rule of faith and practice. Two, that the whole doctrine of the Westminster Confession of Faith and the Catechisms, larger and shorter, are agreeable unto and founded upon the Scriptures. Three, that Presbyterial Church government and manner of worship are alone of divine right and unalterable, and that the most perfect model of these as yet attained is exhibited in the form of government and directory for worship adopted by the Church of Scotland in the Second Reformation. Four, that public social covenanting is an ordinance of God, obligatory on churches and nations under the New Testament, that the National Covenant and the Solemn League are an exemplification of this divine institution, 
that these deeds are a continued obligation upon the moral person, and in consistency with this, that the renovation of these covenants at Arkansas, Scotland, 1712, was agreeable to the Word of God. <clears throat> 5. An approbation of the faithful contendings of the martyrs of Jesus, especially in Scotland, against paganism, popery, prelacy, malignancy, and sectarianism, immoral civil governments, Erastian tolerations and persecutions which flow from them, and of the judicial testimony emitted by the Reformed Presbytery in North Britain, 1761, with supplements from the Reformed Presbyterian Church, as containing a noble example to be followed in contending for all divine truth and in testifying against all corruptions embodied in the constitutions of either churches or states. Six, practically or adorning the doctrine of God our Savior by walking in all his commandments and ordinances blamelessly. We do sincerely profess that it is the glory of God, the edification of Christ's church, as well as the preservation and promotion of the true Christian religion throughout the whole world that does persuade us to unite in constituting this presbytery. We do voluntarily promise to be subject in the Lord unto the Reformed Presbytery in North America, to promote and to preserve the doctrine, worship, government, and discipline as summarized in the above cited six terms of ecclesiastical communion and to receive with meekness all brotherly counsel and admonition tendered by fellow members of this presbytery. We do not consider the Reformed Presbytery in North America to be an entirely new entity, but rather a continuation of the one moral person with other covenanted judicatories of the past and with those faithful witnesses of the covenanted reformation known as protesters and society people. 1650 through 1742 inclusive. Accordingly, we refer above to. A, accordingly, when we uh, refer above to our constitution, we include within it all the judicial documents comprehended and engaged unto in our six terms of ecclesiastical communion. Specifically, only those documents which are agreeable to the Word of God and consistent with our covenanted attainments as they were formally received and approved by the following covenanted judicatories between the following inclusive dates. 1. The Church of Scotland from 1560 to 1602 and from 1638 to 1649. 2. The Reformed Presbytery in Scotland 1743 to 1808, and the Synod of the Reformed Presbyterian Church in Scotland from 1809 to 1821. 3. The Reformed Presbytery in Ireland from 1763 to 1779 and from 1782 to 1810, and the Synod of the Reformed Presbyterian Church in Ireland from 1811 to 1839. 4. The Reformed Presbytery in America 
from 1774 to 1778, from 1798 to 1805, from 1840 to 1845, and from 1854 to 1887. In constituting the Reformed Presbytery in North America in moral succession to these aforementioned faithful judicatories, it is evident that we have not included any of the present bodies designated as Reformed Presbyterian, whether in Scotland, Ireland, Canada, or the United States. In full agreement with the official position of the Reformed Presbytery in America, as recorded in their minutes of June 2, 1841, which are attached as an addendum to this deed of constitution, we hold these ecclesiastical bodies to be unfaithful to the attainments of the covenant of reformation. With full persuasion of conscience, we stand separate, separate from them and cannot unite with them until they publicly repent of their shameful backsliding. Thus we affirm that we, having returned to faithful terms of communion, and a true constitution are not a schismatic body that has further divided the Church of Christ. To the contrary, the Reformed Presbytery in North America is a moral perpetuation of that faithful and unified manifestation of Christ's covenanted Church in Scotland, Ireland, and the United States. It is our goal to unite the Church of Christ in every land by means of promoting a truly covenanted reformation in accordance with the prayer of our Lord, that they may be one, even as we are one. John 17, verse 22. Therefore, in accordance with the aforesaid principles and declarations, we, the undersigned, joyfully owning and upholding the faithful attainments and contendings of our covenanted forefathers, subscribe this deed of constitution in the plain and common sense of the words, without equivocation or mental reservation. Addendum to Deed of Constitution for the Reformed Presbytery in North America. Minutes of the Reformed Presbytery, Greene County, Ohio, Massey's Creek Meeting House, June 2, 1841. On motion resolved, that a committee of three be appointed to report on our ecclesiastical relations with special reference to those calling themselves Reformed Presbyterians. Reverend R. Lusk, Nathan Johnston, and Thomas Steele were appointed that committee. Presbytery met pursuant to adjournment and was constituted by prayer, all the members present. The committee appointed to report on our ecclesiastical relations reported. The report being read paragraph by paragraph and remarks made thereon was recommitted. Court met and was constituted by prayer. All the members present, the committee appointed on our ecclesiastical relations was called upon and reported. The report being read on motion was accepted and on motion was read, paragraph by paragraph, amended and on motion adopted. It is as follows. The committee appointed on our ecclesiastical relations offer the following. 
the Church of Christ, from the doctrines which she holds, the subjection to her blessed Lord, which she professes, the organization bestowed upon her, and the object thereof has in times past been as a city on a hill, and such is to be her position in time to come, being distinct from all other communities and organizations. With the reasons and objects thereof, her members should be intimately acquainted not only with her abstract doctrines, but also with the efficacy of these doctrines on their own life and conversation. And although every living member sustains a relation to the head, which shall never be dissolved, yet the mere circumstance of having a name to live as it respects either organization or membership will not secure the reality in the one case or the other. Hypocrites have been in the true church and local churches, so called, have been in their very organization, synagogues of Satan, or, as in other cases, have so far degenerated as to be considered no longer churches of Christ. Hence the necessity of attention by every lover of truth, by all who desire to promote the declarative glory of God, to have a knowledge of the distinct characteristics of the Church of Christ. As to individuals, it is an unalterable law. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. And as to communities, the same law is equally applicable. It cannot be expected that God will dwell in, the, in them. Opposition in profession to any part of revealed truth is evidence of the ascendancy of the carnal heart, and the relinquishment of acknowledged doctrine carries with it additional guilt, being a violation of voluntary engagements. An obstinacy in such defection must eventuate in the reprobation of the community. Time was when the Reformed Presbyterian Church in the British Isles and America was considered one, both in doctrinal profession and covenant engagements. This time has passed, and now various distinct fellowships lay claim to the designation of witnesses and profess to be the followers of the martyrs of Jesus who sealed with their blood the testimony which they held. Discrimination must be exercised to ascertain who they are and where they are, who are following the footsteps of the flock. These are such who neither oppose nor relinquish the doctrines professed nor the testimony maintained by their witnessing and covenant ancestors, nor cast off the obligations under which they have been brought by the deeds of their forefathers. Formerly, all who claimed the name of Reformed Presbyterians in Europe and America, whether as sojourners or immigrants, had free access to the privileges of the Church in either country. She was considered one, although geographically divided by the Atlantic Ocean, because professing ostensibly the same faith in both hemispheres. It is now known that different fellowships exist, based upon different views of her profession and obligations. Hence the visible unity is destroyed and antagonist principles put into operation. The doctrines contained in the Westminster Confession and in our testimony 
declared to be agreeable unto and founded upon the word of God relative to civil government had been for a length of time practically disregarded by individuals and by courts of the church in America. Discrepancy of views led to a division of the body in 1833. A large proportion of the people, but especially of the ministry, professing to have obtained clearer views of the application of their principles to civil society, considered the American government as the moral ordinance of God and consequently entitled to the Christian's approbation and conscientious support. This party, from the assumption of having attained to clearer views than their brethren of the nature of civil government, were commonly known by the name New Lights. The other party, as contradistinguished from these, were denominated Old Lights. Nevertheless, both continue to claim the original designation Reformed Presbyterian. Corruption in doctrine on the part of the Old Lights leading necessarily to the violation of covenant engagements and practice and the exercise of tyranny and discipline forced some members to a separation from the body in 1838. This party, characterized by a safety league and declinature, also assumes to be the Reformed Presbyterian Church. The same corruptions continuing to operate with additional aggravations and these cherished and defended by influential members as leaders and the western part becoming more fully acquainted with the extent of defection. Some were alarmed and saw the necessity of resorting to scriptural means of reform. Efforts to stay the progress of declension proved unavailing. The Synod refused to retrace her steps by confessing her sins and ascertaining her own legality and freedom when formally called thereunto. Thus a separation was loudly called for and an organization imperatively demanded that a judicial banner be displayed for the doctrines and order exemplified by our covenant fathers. Hence the organizing of the Reformed Presbytery in 1840 in order to hold fast and transmit to posterity all the faithful and public deeds of the Reformed Covenanted Church. The two synods in the British Isles, as appears from their published proceedings, have pursued for substance the same course as the parties in defection from Reformation attainments in America. Different degrees of defection from covenant attainments are however discernible among the several and conflicting parties in the land of our fathers. The Synod of Scotland has been since 1822 in a course of declension, having at that date expunged from her terms of communion the renovation of the covenants at Arkansas, 1712. The tendency of this measure was to divide, and it is now matter of history that some were obliged to withdraw from the body. Among these was the Reverend James Reed, author of the Memoirs of the Westminster Divines, who continued in a state of separation till his death, near to which he declared that he, quote, could not have laid his head on a dying pillow in peace, end of quote, had he acted otherwise. By this unfaithful act of formally removing from their terms of communion a solemn public deed, 
the Scottish Synod went back to the year 1648, thereby overlooking, lightly esteeming, and virtually condemning their own former act, together with the solemn and judicial recognition of the same by the Reformed Presbytery in 1761, as also disregarding the unanimous judgment of all the judicatories of the Reformed Church in Ireland. Thus they plainly manifested a, a disposition to innovate on the Church's profession and an evident determination to remove her ancient landmarks. Although the Synod in Ireland has not formally expunged the deed, yet she has virtually recognized the act as righteous by continued fellowship, judicial, and ministerial with the Synod of Scotland. This continued commun communion had an unhappy influence upon the Synod in Ireland, tending to foster a spirit of neutrality in violation of one of the provisions of our solemn league. The innovations prevailing in Scotland found advocates in Ireland by whom their adoption was strenuously urged. This together with conflicting sentiments on the doctrine of magistracy has more recently resulted in separate communions in Ireland. While we cordially approve the faithful contendings of the majority in that body for the integrity of their standards on the head of magistracy, we are obliged in conscience to express unequivocally our disapprobation of their tolerating the aforesaid innovations, as also their countenancing of and co cooperating in the popular voluntary associations of the day, such as Sunday schools, temperance societies, etc., calculated to undermine our uniformity, divert the attention and alienate the affections of Christ's witnesses from each other and from his own institutions and eventually to effect disorganization. As the Reformed Covenanted Church has ever been professedly a witnessing church and in correspondence with this trait of character has been frequently called to the unpleasant work of testifying against other Christian communities, so also as Paul withstood Peter face to face, we are now urged as matter of duty, however painful, to testify against our former brethren. In view of the foregoing state of things among the professing witnesses for a covenanted work of reformation, your committee recommend the adoption of the following resolution, that this presbytery cannot in consistency with covenant engagements or fidelity to Jesus Christ hold communion judi judicially, ministerially, or in the dispensation of word or sacraments with any of the aforesaid communities assuming our name, whether in America or the British Isles, until the causes of existing separation shall have been removed according to the laws of the Church of God. R. Lusk, Chairman. So ends the, the reading of the Deed of Constitution. And uh, this time I'll invite uh, uh, Elder Farrell and Elder Domes to uh, come and uh, those who have been appointed to witness the uh, signatures uh, to also join them at this time. So I will begin. The document is completed, having been signed. 
Elder Lyndon Jones is going to lead us in the singing of a, a song together, and then afterwards uh, I will close our time uh, in prayer. First part of uh, Psalm 147. <clears throat> To the tune of uh, All Saints New. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good. Praise ye the Lord, for it is good. Praise to our God to sing. Praise to our God to sing. For it is pleasant and to praise. For it is pleasant and to praise. It is a comely thing. It is a comely thing. God doth build up Jerusalem. God doth build up Jerusalem. And he it is alone. And he it is alone. That the dispersed of Israel, that the dispersed of Israel, doth gather into one, doth gather into one, those that are broken in their heart, those that are broken in their heart, and grieve it in their minds, and grieve it in and their painful wounds. He healeth and their painful wounds. He tenderly upbinds. He tenderly upbinds. He counts the number of the stars. He counts the number of the stars. He names them every one. He names them everyone. Great is our Lord and of great power. Great is our Lord and of great power. His wisdom search can none. His wisdom search can none. And skipping to verse 9, gives the beast his food he feeds. He gives the beast his food, he feeds. The raven's young that cry. The raven's young that cry. His pleasure not in horses' strength. His pleasure not in horses' strength. Nor in man's legs doth lie. Nor in man's legs doth lie, but in all those that do him fear. But in all those that do him fear, the Lord doth pleasure take. The Lord doth pleasure take. In those that do, that to his mercy do. In those that to his mercy do, by hope themselves be taken. By hope themselves be taken.
Let us uh, close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we do give to Thee thanks this evening. We praise Thee that we have uh, been a part of this particular occasion to be able to pass on to our children and grandchildren, even for generations to come, how Thou hast continued the moral person of those faithful assemblies from the past. Our Lord and our God, we do rely upon Thy faithfulness. It is not our faithfulness to which we cling. It is rather to the faithfulness of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will build His church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Our Father, we count it such a privilege to be a part of Thy kingdom. We count it such a privilege to be able to extend it in this manner. And we pray, our Father, that Thou would grant to us all humility, grant to us, O Lord our God, wisdom, discernment, understanding. For like Solomon of old, we are like babes, O Lord, in our understanding, if Thou dost not fill our mind. And, O Lord, we will go into wayward paths if Thou dost not, by Thy grace, hedge us about. And so, Father, we do depend upon Thee. We lean upon Thee. And we ask, O Father, that Thou would receive our joyful praise and worship for Thy great blessings unto us. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. For free newsletters and a complimentary copy of our large discount mail-order Christian book catalog specializing in Reformation resources, contact Stillwater's Revival Books. On the web, we are at www.swrb.com. By email, swrb at swrb.com. Our mailing address, 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5, by phone 780-450-3730. And be sure to take advantage of all the free books we offer on our webpage. It may also interest you to know that James Rennick, as he was about to be martyred for the cause of Christ in his covenanted reformation, spoke the following words, which mirror the six terms of communion in the Reformed Presbyterian Church and the Puritan Reformed Church in our day. He said, Dear friends, I die a Presbyterian Protestant. I own the word of God as the rule of faith and manners. I own the confession of faith, larger and shorter catechisms, some of saving knowledge, directory for public and family worship, covenants, national and solemn league, acts of general assemblies, and all the faithful contendings that have been for the covenanted reformation. I leave my testimony approving the preaching in the field and defending the same by arms. I adjoin my testimony against popery, prelacy, Erastianism, against all profanity, and everything contrary to sound doctrine and the power of godliness, particularly against all usurpation and encroachments made upon Christ's right 
the prince of the kings of this earth, whom alone must bear the glory of ruling his own kingdom, the church, and in particular against the absolute power affected by his usurper that belongs to no mortal, but is the incommunicable prerogative of Jehovah and against his toleration flowing from his absolute power. That quotation was taken from John Howey, the Scots Worthies, 1781 edition, page 547, and was cited from the recently published book by Greg Barrow, entitled The Covenanted Reformation Defended, which is also uh, free on our webpage, or which can be purchased through Stillwater's Revival Books. Thank you.